0: we just have to call Thomas trans erotica
1: Corsi.
2: thomas trans erotica
1: course thomas trans erotica
2: expect goals thomas trans erotica model.
1: Thomas
2: Trans Erotica. R- Rush
1: Thomas Trans Erotica. PDO. Thomas Trans
2: Erotica. 803 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruv. SportsNet 650. Halford and Bruv of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we are in Hour 3 of the program. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound, real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintec, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintec, that's what you're waiting for, Jason. I have some programming notes for later on in the day. I should mention that at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Right here on Sportsnet 650, the Jeff Merrick Show is going to have on Canucks President of Hockey Ops, Jim Rutherford. That's not all. Later this afternoon, another one of our fantastic Sportsnet programs, Kipper and Bourne, who bounced me yesterday, but I don't hold a grudge. <laughs> they are going to get Patrick Alvin on the show today. Right, okay, that's he good. I snubbed them yesterday. <laughs> In case you have no idea what I'm talking about. I got a text from Kipper and Boren's producer, Sam McKee. Good guy. Great producer. Texted me yesterday and he asked me to be on the show to talk about the Alvin extension. Mm -hmm. I said, absolutely, Sam. I would love to be on your program. Then he texted back and said, you know how I wanted you to come on to talk about Patrick Alvin's extension? We actually got Patrick Alvin. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, does that mean I'm bumped? And he's like, you're reading the room. (laughs) So anyway. And then Alvin bumped them. Yeah. you got a little busy right now we didn't know at the time so i was laughing i'm like hi you got your comeuppance yeah but then i'm like well, "No, actually he was making a massive trade Kip it wasn't that he just didn't want to do your show
1: kipper and Bourne then it had to go through like the entire athletic anonymous player poll they were like <laughs> is that most, what happened yeah they were like most punchable face <laughs>
2: I was like, that's our bit. We did that yesterday. Anyway, <laughs> uh, obviously, I'm, I'm joking about holding a grudge. I'm not. I'm really pissed off. But they, uh, So they're going to have Patrick Elvian on the show today. So all Canucks all the time across Sportsnet 650, uh, including our next guest. Joining us now, as mentioned, Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks talk here on the Halford & Rough Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer? Gentlemen. How excited are you? Little, are you as excited as I a am?
0: A it. Yeah, yeah. yeah of I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah, I mean, Elias Lindholm, you know, he hasn't been at his best this year, but he's a really good player, and I think the fit is just about perfect. I mean, this is a guy, right-handed shot, which matters a ton in a bunch of various game states for the Canucks. Like, probably now their best penalty killing forward, and I still think that's huge. I know the PK has trended in a really solid direction, but it's mostly been 930 goaltending, shorthanded, right? Like, it's... Mm -hmm it hasn't been the sort of thing that looks sustainable, which isn't to say that the club's PK hasn't massively improved. It has, but I think it's improved to like average, which is a huge um, boost from where it's been the two seasons previous. But when you get into the playoffs and you might match up against the Edmonton Oilers, if you win around, uh, I think it matters to, to add a, a penalty killer like Windholm and then, you know, his struggles this season have mostly been offensive, right? In terms of his defensive play, that's still there. In terms of his ability to drive uh, with with his transition game, with the, with the way that he plays, you know, that's still been there. And, I, you know, I think the offensive environment in Vancouver, especially if he's playing with one of JT Miller or Elias Pettersson, a uh, couple guys that can get him the puck, because that's kind of what he does, right? Like, this isn't a guy who's, I mean, he's a good passer, don't get me wrong, but his bread and butter's not, Making creative plays with the puck, it's getting lost in space, and a quick release from quiet ice that beats netminders, and that's like a perfect fit, no matter where he plays in the in this team's top six. provide. It, it, honestly, it could be a good fit on the third line too if he took the Bluger spot, given Connor Garland's passing. So mm. I, I just sort of look at it, and and from just about every angle, this this deal feels consistent with. It feels a, a piece of a variety of this team's other moves where, you know, it's not about the value. It's not like, did they get a steal? It's not about, um, is it just a rental? Like, it's just hockey fit. The hockey fit makes sense. And that's worked for them to this point. So why deviate?
1: Um, What reasons do you have to believe that, uh, Pettersson and Lindholm will fit together because that, to me, seems like the most obvious first option. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I don't know who plays center on that line, but I imagine McKeever is still on that line. I've liked what I've seen from Suter with Miller and Besser. I don't know if that's long term. Who knows? The nice thing about this move is is all the versatility that you've already yeah. mentioned. But do you think it starts out with the with the with the two Eliases playing together?
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Lindholm on the wing, but maybe taking uh, draws on his strong side. Pedersen can take draws on his strong side, right? I mean, that makes sense to me. Um, you know, Pedersen's really dangerous uh, attacking off the off wing. So if you bump him to right wing here and there, I, I don't think that's a problem. Obviously, Mikhaev is, um, you know, just as, if not more comfortable attacking off his off wing, too. So even within that internal dynamic of uh, of an Ilya, Elias, Elias line, um, You know, I I do still, I I think that there's still be versatility within that that alignment. But I think the main thing is what you noted. Like, there's a variety of different permutations this can take, right? If you want to load up uh, Pedersen with Miller and with that Miller-Besser duo, um, you know, I I think Lindholm can hold down a a second line. And I'd actually be pretty interested to see what a Suter-Lindholm-Mikheyev line could do, like even against Tufts. Um, you know, if you want to go Miller, Petterson, Lindholm, Bluger down the middle, I, I think you have the flexibility to do that. Um, you know, I, I think there's a variety of different ways this can go, and, and all of them are interesting to me. Uh, and that's important because once you get into the, some of these various matchups come playoff time, you know, finding solutions, and sometimes finding solutions proactively, like before they burn you, um, you know, in a tournament environment that matters. So Lindholm just adds just a lot of different optionality to the deck for Rick Tockett.
1: Hey, Drancer, just as an aside, what have you seen from McKayev this season? Because I feel like now that Kuzmenko is out of the picture,
3: mm-hmm.
1: I'm sensing in the Dunbar-Lumber text line a lot of the, uh, the targets are now being set on McKayev.
0: Yeah, I-, I mean, his pace isn't what it was. I don't think, you know, like when I watch him play. And again, this is this is a guy whose calling card is one of the most obvious, loudest skill sets in the game, which is, you know, two years ago when he was in Toronto, he was literally the fastest guy without the puck in the league. Like if there was a loose puck that caromed to use a play by play callers favorite word um, off the off the boards and like caught a defender flat footed, like he was getting a breakaway every single time and And that level of explosiveness, you know, I still think it's there. He's still a strong skater, but it's not you know ninety ninth percentile right yeah. it's like it's like ninetieth percentile mm-hmm. which is which is good, but man, that's a huge difference right like it's a huge difference to be, hey, that guy might be the only guy in the league who's almost as fast as McDavid to being like, yeah, he's a good skater.
1: Yeah, I remember the first time I saw him, I didn't know much about him, and like, I didn't know who he was on the ice when he was playing for Toronto. I was like, what was that rocket ship that just went by? Like, it, is, <laughs> right. it is very, very noticeable. And then I was like, he's a depth player for the Leafs? And then Leafs fans were like, yeah, he's got no hands. I'm like, okay, well, and then
0: eventually, anyway, he
1: ended up with the Canucks. But um, Yeah,
0: well, so I think the thing, though, is the to me that Burst isn't, like supernova at the moment, it's still good. And his play has still been good. Um, but I think that was hidden earlier in the year. And I think it was hidden last year too, frankly, because we haven't seen him play a single regular season game for the Canucks when he wasn't either playing on a torn ACL or within like a 12 month window uh, post-op. Right. Um, and, and really it's like in, uh, in other sports and they're different. We we sort of talk about an 18 month window after which you'll see a player, kind of return to like we're not going to get there this year and and so I do think some patience is in order I won't be stunned if we see McKayev next year and some of that speed game and play driving is back but you know do do I expect it down the stretch I don't and and I also do think that because of that injury context he should be viewed a little bit differently like I don't think he should be criticized too harshly although I will note that that's you know, uh, impractical given the stakes of the season now. And uh, I'd mention this too: the fact that he's had extremely favorable bounces, both from an on ice and a personal shooting percentage since joining the team. And, you know, it wouldn't be shocking for that to dry up a bit, given his career Mm -hmm. rates. The back end,
1: there were lots of reports that Tanev was part of these, uh, trade conversations, Mm -hmm. um, Do you see any way that the Canucks can still get Chris Tanev or significantly upgrade the defense that they currently have?
0: I don't know about significantly. I I, I mean, you know, it's going to likely require a subtraction or at least uh, 50% of money held, right, like a a full retention. And I think there's a lot of teams that are going to be interested in Chris Tanev. Like, I think he's going to be viewed as the best defender on the market or one of them. You know, if you were able to fold them into a deal in which you're already parting with significant assets and maybe you upgrade one of the pieces in that deal, right, That that's one thing. But I, I think the cost is going to be massive. And, you know, look, Chris Tanev coming back to Vancouver, I mean, that should be, if that happens, that should be a, you know, civic holiday in my in my opinion. I, I don't want to understate the impact that I think that could have in terms of the weight that Tanev has organizationally. But you know I, I I do think you're gonna have to outbid a lot of teams that could use one more right-handed guy and a lot of those teams are are big time contenders. so uh, it will be very interesting to see how it plays out but the team's motivation in in chasing that reunion to me makes perfect sense.
1: Um, this is a very sports talk radio question, but would mm. you if you had a choice between Zdorov on the team or Tanev on the team, which player would you choose?
0: Oh, man. It's a good one. Uh, it, 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 you know, it's a sports talk question for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I think... <laughs> 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 um, I'd probably go with Chris Tanev, but by a very, very thin margin. By a, by a snozz. Like the Zdorov's such a unique player. And I think he brings a lot of like puck moving, like supplemental puck moving to this defense core that they need. And, you know, he, he is their biggest heavy from a plays tough perspective. You know, I, I, that matters to me. Um, I'd I find it very difficult to understand how this team's blue line is better having subtracted that, but you can't ignore the fact that with Susie healthy, right. He's going to be on the third pair at best. And that's going to move you and Cole over to the right side. And I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure you're not better off in the aggregate um, with sort of a a strong side upgrade on, on your right side that would let you roll something like Susie Tanev, you know, and, and then, and then Myers and Cole to me, that just fits a little bit better, even though, you know, I I really rate Zadorov and think he's, very, very good. Uh,
1: Patrick Alvine said yesterday, and I, I retweeted you or reposted you or re-reacted you, whatever. I don't know what you say now. Uh, you don't want to be a one- If you re
0: me, we're going to have a problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you don't want to be a one-year hit. You have mm. to sustain it. Um, no, obviously, he got a contract extension, so now his interests are aligned with keeping the team Um, competitive and so did Jim Rutherford Um, have you are you mostly just thinking about the rest of this season and how it goes or do you you also like a lot of our listeners think about how the Canucks can sustain this because there are going to be some challenges keeping this group together and there will be players that are playing well for this team right now that aren't on the team next season and somehow those spots are going to have to be
0: filled Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like The idea of sustainability for me is like um, a spectrum, okay? It's a spectrum, and I think you can go too far toward prioritizing it, just like um, you can go not care enough about it and and be reckless, right? The thing about sustainability is this is a system that – I see the NHL system in the hard cap era as being cyclical. And when you got a shot in my view, you especially in a market like Vancouver where you haven't ever won, I I think you have to be really aggressive in prioritizing the here and now, Uh, you know, this is the like flip side, the other side of the coin of, of my view about sort of really prioritizing value. If you're far away, like if you're close, you should really be prioritizing uh the flags fly forever ideology in my view. And and for me then, it's not all about this season, but I, I do think it is about a relatively short window. Mm-hmm. And and I, I look at it as like I'm just gonna call it the Demco Hughes window, right? And to me that's you've got this guy who's playing at a Vesna finalist level right now at five million. And you've got a defender playing at a I don't know, some hybrid Paul Coffey-Bobby Orr <laughs> level. Yeah, um, Norris Trophy for, level. For seven seven yeah. 7.8 million. Yeah, and, and not just Norris Trophy level, right? Like, this is going to be a season that is better than most Norris Trophy seasons, right? Like, this is his history at this point. Uh, or at least has a chance to be if it can be sustained for another 35 games. And, you know, if, those, if you've got those two pieces locked in, you've got them at 12500000 million, they're providing double that in actual hockey value. That to me is like the sort of efficiency around which you can build a contender. And, and so for me, it's like a three or four year window here. Demko has three runs. Hughes has four runs remaining on, on their deals. And, and that to me is what matters. And so, you know, like my, my preference ideally would have been to see this team if they were going to spend these types of assets. And I do think it was a significant price paid for Lindholm. Um, which in no way diminishes my enthusiasm about the deal. But I, I do think it's worth noting. Um, uh, you know, I would have loved to see it be for a multi-year piece, ideally. And if the Canucks swing an additional trade here, I really think it would be would be excellent mm-hmm. if it was for a multi-year piece. Um, so for me, it's not just about this season. There's like a, a short run here where I think the club should be very much uh, prioritizing the here and now through about twenty twenty seven. That to me is that to me is it, it is sort of a, a natural window that's been formed here mm. uh, around their star players leveling up and being locked into to sharp deals. And and it's going to be complicated because around the periphery of that, um, you know, the the effective pillar of that window is is a fair bit of uncertainty on a variety of high, uh, you know crucial files from Pedersen, Horonic, and, and on down. So. Um, you know, it, it, basically, yes, short term, let's go. But also, I think, be mindful of, like, the near term, right? Short and near term, I think, should be the priorities of this club based on how they perform this season. Uh,
2: a lot of texts coming into the Dunbar Lumber text line at six fifty, six fifty, asking about the package sent to Calgary and the price paid for Lindholm. Uh, let's frame the question like this. Which of the assets that the, Fr- the Flames acquired will end up being the most fruitful?
0: Well, I mean, the the there's so the piece of most significant consequence is the first-round pick, right? And I think people are going a little bit overboard with the, this draft's bad. Like, I think it's a pretty good draft class through about 45 um, names, which is typical. I just don't think it's the draft that last year was, where, where you were going to get guys who could have been top-10 picks most years, you know, in the 20s. Some of them go in the 40s last year. It, it, it's not that class, but it's not a sub-average... Uh, draft class, it just doesn't really have, outside of Macklin Celebrini, the, like, usual like, three or four star potential forwards, but there's a lot of sick defensemen, especially in the top half of the draft. Like, this could be a god tier blue line draft. So, anyway, you know, the first round pick to me, that's the most material asset the Canucks parted with. Brustevich would be sort of second on that list, and, you know, this is a super volatile player type, right? The Sort of undersized offensive defenseman prospect, it's really interesting because, you know, we've seen a lot of like Adam Bockfist, right, or Brant Clark struggle to establish himself or Ty Smith over the years. Like, if you don't have or can't develop those like elite edges that Quinn Hughes has or like that one separating skill uh, that some of these, some of the best players in the league have, you know, it, it can be really tough to make it. Uh, no matter how good you are as like a distributor or running the power play, like you you might end up a specialist or you might end up, you know, topping out as a quad a guy, but man, if those players hit, they are star players. So it's, it's a really volatile asset. And I think it's important not to diminish, you know, the value of that. There was definitely exchange value in a defender, even if he was a third round pick eight months ago, leading the OHL in scoring um, you know, really quieted his game defensively. He's not small, right? Like he's not a, he's six foot. He's uh, a sturdy guy and he's a good skater. Like to me, that's a volatile asset to part with. I don't think it's going to hurt so much as well. Cause I mean, the Canucks are making a sensible deal, but it's worth noting that, you know, there's a chance that Brustevich is something. Um, and there's a chance that the Canucks have sold high. I, I like the bet on, on selling high on a prospect's prospect that has popped the way he has, but you know, he he could definitely be a player. Um And then, you know, like Yoni Yermo, I'm not even sure if the club was going to sign him before losing his rights in June. Yeah. Like, I, I think that was a 50-50, maybe, maybe even a 75-25. And then a, a conditional pick, like, you know, that's uh, another asset. I mean, that's a, that's good for the Flames, but I don't know that we'd call that, like, harmful to the Canucks. And then Kuzmenko... I mean, this is honestly the parting with Kuzmenko is part of the sneaky thing I like about the deal. I mean, they've cleared five and a half million dollars in additional Mm -hmm. cap space for this offseason. You know, that brings their total flexibility. Granted, Veronica and Pedersen will lead into a lot of it, you know, up to thirty five, thirty six million. I'd have to crunch the numbers to give you a really precise number, but uh, a good amount of cap flexibility going into the summer, um, you know, which creates its own options, which which also creates a buying opportunity on a longer term piece. Uh, over the next five weeks ahead of the deadline. I mean, that to me is, uh, is part of the return for the Canucks, right? It's like you paid a lot, sure, but you got Elias Lindholm and $5.5 million in additional cap space for next season. Um, that should be factored into the return and is one of the reasons I think I like this deal so much.
2: Drancer, awesome stuff as always. Have a good show today and be sure to listen to the Jeff Merrick show in two hours' time. He's going to have Canucks president of Hockey Ops Jim Rutherford on his program.
0: Uh, sure. I mean, I'm going to go see Jim for breakfast, but.
2: (laughs) Oh, fine. You know what? Fine. Fine. You know what? Ruin my public service address where I'm telling the (laughs) listeners. Anyway, uh, have fun at breakfast, dude. Talk to you later. Cheers, boys. Bye. See you. Bye. Uh, That's Thomas Drance joining us courtesy of the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. The first call, the only call. Thomas Drance, going for breakfast with Jim Rutherford. Okay, uh, we got a lot more to get to on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Coming up, it's what we learn time. Here's a tease for you. I have just learned that there are no more coaching vacancies in the National Football League. We'll explain on the other side. You're listening to the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650.
3: Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Big Nazar.
0: Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead.
0: It's what we learn, time.
2: It's what we learn, time. It's what we
0: learn, time.
2: On the show. 832 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Half for sports SportsNet 650. <laughs> oh man. I'm sorry, our Dunbar Lumber text message in basket cracks me up sometimes. So in case you were wondering what the voice to text autocorrect is for Elias Lindholm, it turns his last name into Lynn Holmes. Like Lynn L-Y-N-N. This is what we learned? Holmes, H-O-L-M-E-S, like some sort of mid midday's 80s news anchor. Whatever it used to be BCTV back in the day. Holmes is away today. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you are listening to the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty. Alfred and Bruff in the morning this is brought to you by the Delari Family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Dil- <laughs> Lynn Holmes is away today. That's a good one. Uh, experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari accurate dealer. Today we are in hour three of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. I feel bad because on any other day in this particular week, we would have spent, I don't know, at least two hours. <laughs> On the news that the Seattle Seahawks found their next head coach, and also the fact that all the NHL coaching vacancies are gone. NFL. What did I say? NHL. Close enough. Well, those two. They're get, all taken.
1: They, for now.
2: <laughs> yeah, um,
1: so... Uh, go. The what we learned, it's a it's a co-what
2: we learned. Yeah, we're going to do it together.
1: Um, That'd be a better way to say that. The Washington Commanders have settled for Dan Quinn. <laughs> Dan Quinn is the new head coach of the Washington Commanders. Truly a settling Truly um, a settler. They will sell it. He knows the division. <laughs> He's familiar with where everything is, all the cities. <laughs> uh, but Dan Quinn is gonna go to the Washington Commanders. I I, th- I thought they were gonna go you know, I thought they were gonna go big game hunting. Um I, I really did think Bill Belichick made a little bit of sense for the Washington Commanders. I know it would be a big job, but you know, if you want to return the glory to that franchise. You got the new owners in there. You got the bad owner out of there. And now it's like, and it's Dan Quinn. Like, hopefully he does a good job. I mean, he has, he did, he did a good job with the Falcons for a bit and then he kind of lost it. And he did a good job with the Cowboys defense until the playoffs when it didn't look so good. So, anyway, uh, the commander here, here are all the here, per Adam Schefter, he listed it all out. The commanders get Dan Quinn. The Seahawks win with young Mike McDonald, who is half the age of Pete Carroll. Mm-hmm. Pete's 72. But you're going to say the other Michael McDonald, which I think he is also half. Mike McDonald is 36 years old. (laughs) The Falcons went with Raheem Morris. Uh, The Panthers went with Dave Canales. 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 Uh, Chargers went and got Jim Harbaugh from Michigan. Titans, Brian Callahan. Raiders kept their interim coach, Antonio Pierce. And the Patriots went with Gerard Mayo, who was the youngest head coach in the NFL until the
2: Seahawks hired Mike McDonald. He didn't didn't hold that title for long, Um, yeah.
1: Schefter also noted, and I think this is important, the coaches who did not land jobs during this hiring cycle, and that included, of course, Bill Belichick. No Pete, seat at the table for Bill Belichick. Pete Carroll, Mike Vrabel, um, Ben Johnson was another name out there. He chose he not cho- to take a job. Though. Yeah, he had apparently such a high price tag, the other teams were like, what are you, out of your mind? $15 million, the reported salary and he's got a good situation right now with the Detroit Lions and maybe he felt some semblance of well i want to go back there and see if we can get it done next season cuz that's well, all, it also could have been a special been, but- situation or maybe he didn't feel like the the teams that were left and it was only mm-hmm. the commanders and the Seahawks at some point they were like yeah i don't I don't know about this He those was guys. cursing as a stupid playoff run
2: Took yeah. away my opportunity That's to interview for all these other jobs. Maybe he was doing that. Yeah, We need to fall short of the NFC title game next year. Um, um, Mike okay.
1: McDonald, what do you think of him as the Seahawks head coach? I don't. I, I really don't know much about street- him. I know he's young.
2: Well, I kept my ear to the streets. The street- that <laughs> means online, on the internet mostly. <laughs> the online internet streets. But I, the streets in Seattle, they are fired up for this one. Very rarely do you get a consensus internet opinion where everyone's excited about it. And I think I know why. You could not get um really any different from Pete Carroll now. Here's the thing though. Both kind of defense first guys, but Pete Carroll was the NHL, NHL NFL's oldest head coach. Uh Mike McDonald as you mentioned becomes the NFL's youngest head coach. Mm-hmm. There's a real sense of youth and exuberance, but I think the key is uh innovation with the way that he looks at football and calls things especially on the defensive side of things mm-hmm. cuz one of the things with Pete was yeah he's defense first but he's also very archaic. Yeah. There was an old school idea where we're going to run the ball and we're not going to make any mistakes on offense and then we're going to force some of those on defense and that's how we're going to win football games. And they you know the returns were diminishing year over year with yeah. Pete. That's how I saw it. So anyway. was the roster though. Yeah. Um McDonald does have being a young guy, there are some really good young pieces in Seattle, mm-hmm. right? And there's going to be more, presumably, when they go to the draft this year. I think the big thing here is the way that he conducted that uh, Ravens defense this year. Granted, he had good pieces, but they were aggressive. They got after the quarterback. They turned the ball over a lot. They dropped the quarterback. There was a real semblance of a pass rush. And... um Patrick Queen, I saw an interview with him talking about what McDonald brought to the table. He's like, every time there was a problem, this guy found a solution. And it wasn't necessarily because he was the brightest guy in the room. Like, he would work relentlessly to solve problems. Mm-hmm. And that was a big thing going away from a guy in Clint Hurt, where there were problems last year that got addressed that never got addressed. Yeah. Why are you no good at tackling? And it was just kind of like, oh, you know, uh, I want to play audio for me and Rapoport. The
1: next challenge before you play this audio.
2: And I wonder how much of a challenge it's going to be for Mike McDonald. He's got to put his coaching staff together. Right, because he has no OC and no DC right now. And that's going to be his first order of business. But before we get to that, uh, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network, just to kind of sum up exactly what the Seahawks are getting, in 36-year-old Michael McDonald.
3: The Seattle Seahawks are set to hire their new head coach. It is Mike McDonald. The former now Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator described to me as Sean McVay for defense. This is a bright young coach, really one of the more dynamic candidates in this entire search just in his mid-30s. So they go from the oldest head coach in the NFL, Pete Carroll, to the youngest with Mike McDonald. I talked to several teams who are doing coaching searches this year. They believe that McDonald was the most dynamic interview. Yes, he is young, but certainly he has experience. Defensive coordinator on the college level at Michigan. Two years having one of the best defenses, one of the most creative defenses in the NFL with the Baltimore Ravens. Seattle brought him out for a second interview. That was today, but the reality was it wasn't an interview, it was more of a coronation. In fact, they liked him so much, had Baltimore made the super bowl they would have waited two extra weeks just to interview him this was their guy all along the seattle seahawks have now agreed to terms with mike mcdonald their new head coach
2: okay so very interesting here is that um a name that keeps surfacing as a potential defensive coordinator is zach Orr. now if you don't know him he is not all that far removed from his playing days. Mm-hmm. He was an all uh, an all-pro for the Baltimore Ravens at linebacker in 2016. He's 31 years old. He was a linebackers coach under McDonald in Baltimore last year. So he might come to the Seahawks along with Mike McDonald? Yeah, and you're talking about a head coach. Those co- guys doing their press conferences. Voices
1: are going to break. I
2: was going to say, like, we have to. can they even apply for a mortgage? They may be too young. I don't know. whether They're, they're going to have to rent. Anyway, uh, so you could conceivably have a staff in Seattle where the head coach is 36, the defensive coordinator is 31, and I don't know what they're going to do on the offensive side of the football. You mentioned it might be difficult for McDonald because a lot of the coordinators that people were eyeballing have been snapped up, or in the case of uh, Johnson in Detroit and Slowick in Houston, they're just staying with their gigs. So that's going to be the big one there. But keep an eye on Zachary Orr as the potential new defensive coordinator for Seattle. Um, I'm very, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. I really am because as I put a bow on this very lengthy what we learned. One of my concerns with the Seahawks uh, coaching search was that it felt like it dragged out for a long time and they felt like they talked to a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. If I'm to believe the reporting from Ian Rappaport, it was that they had their eyes on McDonald the entire time and that maybe some of these interviews was just, I hate putting it this way, but like window dressing. Right. Like we're going to talk to these guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is our guy is in Baltimore and we're just going to wait this thing out. So do you think McDonald would have gotten that message? 100%. Yeah. You just you have back channels, right? Yeah. I don't think that the season ended on Sunday, and then John Schneider picked up the phone and it's like, Hi, I'm John Schneider from the Seattle Seahawks. Did, he had Mike McDonald's from- like, I had no idea you guys were interested yeah, in me. Mike McDonald. Like, John, yeah. I I didn't expect this call. Now, is Pete still coaching there? Do you have a vacancy. <laughs> Do you know what I say to anyone that doesn't like this Michael McDonald hire? What? That's what a fool believes. Oh, ah, jeez. Muco. Ah. Wait, I liked it? Yeah, no, it was good. Your okay. dad jokes per sixty Thank is you. off the charts. Mm-hmm. You're dad. On it. Yeah, you are yeah. dad. Yeah. You're very dad. You're very, dad-ish. very dad <laughs> you're Very dad. <laughs> very dad. Yeah, big time dad energy. Big time dad bod. He eats like a dad. I've seen you eat so many leftovers for breakfast. Anyway, uh, what we learned—it's he... like baby leftovers too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the applesauce efficient... again. that was on my sweater. Ben, ben, Ben's younger than all of us, but you'll know the the. There's a moment in every dad's life where you're eating your child's leftover food over the sink. Mm-hmm. That's when you achieve full dad. I literally mode. did that. Yeah, <laughs> full dad mode.
1: Or you don't order a meal at a
2: restaurant because mm-hmm. you know that you're just gonna eat. Whatever's left. It happened to me on Saturday. We went for sushi. They're like, you didn't order much. I'm like, I I don't need to. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, What we learned, Humanoid Edition, is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at GetFirePlan.com.
3: Oh, my God. We're having a
2: fire plan. By the way, the bad part about that move is that when you eat the leftovers from your child, you are a hundred percent getting sick, <laughs> yeah. for sure. For <laughs> sure, well, yes. I'm getting yeah, sick yeah, yeah. anyway because I'm yeah. Kids yeah, jumping on me. Oh, I yeah. see you've pawed all that sushi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know that one you chewed on for a while. <laughs> I picked up
0: a pistachio
2: off the ground the other day, and it was wet. Yeah. (laughs) It was a wet pistachio. And you were hoping it was wet from the sink.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's less germs in the sink. Uh, Nav from the Valley is going to kick it off with a little house of negativity. Attaboy. Haven't had much of that. What we learned, the tickets for a Canucks game got even more unaffordable with last night's trade. It is tough to get a ticket. ...office and be like, can I have some tickets? They'd be like, yeah. Tickets here. we would have... Tickets available on our group chat for hockey. Like, does anyone want my tickets for tonight? And people would be like,
2: "Yeah, what's the weather? Right. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> is there anything I, else involved? Yeah. Popcorn? Yeah. I don't like want a food get, A food yeah. voucher. Do you have a
1: parking pass? Because I, I don't really want to pay for parking. Yeah, it's, it's tougher to get tickets. That's. That's the reality of a
2: winning team. That's not that house of negativity. That's more house of reality.
1: Uh, Mike and Aldergrove, what we learned hearing you guys laugh for real because the Canucks are winning is much better than the sad, nervous laughter over the past decade. Was it nervous laughter or Uh, just gallows humor? Yeah, nervous isn't quite the word I had. Yeah, it was just gallows humor. Um, You know, listen, we're still going to talk about um, problems that the team has, and some people will perceive that as negativity, but... You know, three hours of just like, yeah, it's great that the Canucks are winning again. Isn't aren't these guys playing well? Doesn't really make for good topics Mm -hmm. because and 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 listen, this isn't just us saying it. I think one of the overriding things that we heard from Patrick Alvin during his press conference after he signed his contract extension was all the work that is still to come. Like they have accomplished nothing really yet. Like They've had a good half season. They got to the All-Star break, and it's been remarkable, but can they finish the season strong? Can they get first place in the division? Can they get home ice for the playoffs? Can they get a good first-round matchup? And then can they go out and win a series or two? I'm not going to be furious if they don't win the Stanley Cup this year, but I'm going to be pretty disappointed if they – Make the playoffs and then flame out in the first round, you know. So, this is why you know I was mentioning to like, you know, I can feel already that the targets are now being set on a guy like Mikhaev, who has kind of flown under the radar this season because yeah. there's been so much attention with Kuzmenko. But this is what happens with good teams, right? That's like, right. you're like, next, Mikhaev, like people, people that I don't know, younger people like back in. 2011 it's like it's not like it was like good times on the radio the whole time it was like when is the second line gonna score yeah right the 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 sedines are doing too much and raymond really be up there on the on the second line and you know you talk about like it can keep keith ballard was a terrible trade he doesn't seem to be a fit like things are still going to happen and you can perceive talk about that as negative or you can perceive it as the problem areas are the ones that get the most discussions. Do you really think like Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford are sitting around and going, isn't it great to see how, much, how well Quinn Hughes is playing? Like, Let's waste our entire day talking about how well we're playing. No. i They're out there trying to figure stuff out.
2: I'm already writing an article. I just need the outlet, but it'll be, is the Lindholm trade really just distracting from the practice facility problem? Like I <laughs> Someone texted that in. That's a good one, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, because, I mean, look, you can always find a problem. And if you can't, you're not trying hard enough. That's how negative. Every time you say Lindholm, I just think Lindholm's now. Lindholm's. <laughs> not stop. that was one of the greatest adlibs, like in, 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 jokes that you've ever done. Thank you. That was the timing was impeccable. Because that's the <laughs> thing. Lindholm's is not not here today. She's away today.
1: Tim in Vancouver. What we learned, I learned Lindholm can get some quality bonding time in with the entire Canucks first unit power play unit, including Demko, over oh. the All Star break in Toronto. That is funny. You know, they what? they should just set up a separate practice.
2: Yeah. They and then someone tries to infiltrate it, and they're like, no. Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> Poor
1: you know, Pew Suter. He's like, I thought it was doing pretty well on that
2: power play, and now I'm out again. He can get a sniff when and they're, they're up 5 or 6-1. I'm
1: going to tear this team apart.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so you want to see vindictive. <laughs> when a Swiss guy is hard, it feels like he's hard done by, that's vindictive.
1: Ne- neutral no more. Yeah,
2: that's right. <laughs> Unsigned. Hold on. I did want to say, okay. uh, I came up, I had a big-brained idea at the break. Oh, God. You know what Quinn Hughes' first pick has to be now at the fantasy draft, right? Elias Lindholm. Yeah, it has to be. It has right? to be. It's his new team. What better way to uh, bring a new guy aboard and to make him feel welcome than to make him the first pick? He should be like, I know his numbers draft. aren't very good this year, but yeah, I'm going to make him my first pick. My first pick with nine goals. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Did you <acquire> this guy? <laughs> Wait a minute. Were you hurt or something? We give up four assets for you. Well, three in Yanni Yermo.
1: Unsigned. God, we're giggly today. What we learned is I'm still too scared to fall in love with this team and get hurt again. I think it's just been so quick. It's like, you know, like you've been on the market for a decade. Yeah. Out there dating, and most of the time you're like, oh, that's just... Awful, yeah, he's awful. never turn out well. Just awful, and yeah. then you go out on a date with someone that you're like, oh my god, like Dreamweaver.
2: and like, but you, do you really want to? It has happened quickly, like it's I, quick, yeah, yeah. So it, it does take some getting used to. I mean, when we were discussing over the last week or so about. First, the Canucks being aggressive at the deadline, and then when it started to come into focus, because really it came into focus over the last seventy-two hours that they were they were going big, big game mm-hmm. hunting. They weren't just nibbling around the edges, and they were being aggressive. Now, I remember thinking, like, oh my god, all this stuff that we've kind of speculated about Rutherford's early shopping, doing a deal for Lindholm, like it's actually happening. Yeah, and it happened fast. That deal last night, I got it. I was making dinner. Um, and I got the text from you, yeah. Be like, we might have to rejig some things tomorrow because of the Lindholm trade. I'm like, come again. And then yeah. I went on Twitter, and it's it's just happening mm-hmm. real fast. What happened to your Mr. Noodles? Did they get over- you know cooked? what I you know what actually? So I started um, making shoestring French fries from scratch. It's actually really easy in an air fryer, but you got to make them super thin because they crisp up real quick. right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they got burned. <laughs> <laughs> they, it was like an incinerated mass. A little just, too crispy. Yeah, it was beyond crispy. I was like trying to scrape them off and give them to the boy, and he's like, "They taste like burning." No, that's fine for you, uh, Kevin in Maple Ridge. What we learned: the trade deadline
1: just got more interesting. If only to watch the other contenders panic a little.
2: Hopefully. Oh yeah, I was thinking about that.
1: Is there a team out there that was really
2: had their sights set on Lindholm and were upset that they didn't get him? I don't know if it's necessarily that. I think it's the whole arms race thing. Mm-hmm. I've seen you a know, lot of these fans, you know, wringing their hands a little bit, well, wanting no, to make a move, but but yeah, like I there were teams that were interested in Lindholm. I mean, we played that audio from Craig Conroy. He was fielding offers from a bunch yeah, sure. of different teams, mm-hmm. but um, I think. What every year that that de- trade deadline, you can count on a few different things emerging. And the first is uh who does the early shopping. So kudos to Jim Rutherford and Patrick Elvin and the Canucks for being that team. And then you get the team that's sort of left without a dance partner at the end or like they're playing musical chairs and you're the yeah. music stops and you don't have a chair. Mm. And it's like, ah, uh, go get Gustav Nyquist. Like, that's how right. it usually ends up happening. Right now, what's happened is the, <laughs> it's true. Gustav Nyquist is always oh, like Gustav. Yeah, this year it's probably going to be Adam Henrique or Frank Vetrano. But maybe they may even be higher in the chart. I don't know. I like those guys. though. I, like I don't mind players. players. I like Vetrano. You I know what think. my biggest concern is that they've spent the entire year in Anaheim. Yeah, yeah, that totally. T- it's tough because Anaheim. Then you come in and you're like, uh, remind me about. Defensive zone coverage again. Games of consequence? What is not structure Yeah, I'm not familiar <laughs> with any of those things. So right now, what the Canucks have done is d- been the early shopper, but also now it's sort of kicked off the, ooh, check out what the second-best team, in, at least in terms of points percentage, is doing in the NHL. Now it's like, well, what does Winnipeg do? What do the Rangers do? What do the Avalanche do? I mean, the Leafs just need to get a blue liner in the door.
1: Uh, uh, stickler in New West, what we learned, the Canucks finally— have a player with the middle name is this really uh Lindholm's middle name yes okay i want to pronounce it zebulon because that sounds like like an invader from another world yeah that's definitely a video game character but it it's it's got to be something else right is it it's not like elias zebulon his full name lindholm. is
2: elias victor zebulon lindholm
1: it's got to be some different pronoun- pronunciation, though, than Zebulon. Zebulon or something like that. I know he's not French, but.
2: <laughs> Are you a- thinking about Nebulon?
1: <laughs> I, don't, I guess so. I don't know. Yeah. I'd go that with
2: that for my first name. They're like, I am Zebulon. That's right. I <laughs> thought you were Elias. Or Elias. By the way, someone said we should trade for Patrick Elias or get him out of retirement so we can have all the pronunciation. All, all the pronunciation I'm seeing is either Zebulon or Zebulon. Zebulon
1: (laughs) Tom and Suri What we learned We finally have an answer To the question Jason has been asking For weeks When will Calgary Start selling Yeah
2: thank Uh god
1: I can stop Asking that question You
2: did ask it a lot I
1: know It was kind of my go to
2: Craig Conroy By the way uh, Uh, Now I'm going to be like When will Calgary Keep selling (laughs) Yeah Craig Conroy Is maybe the nicest guy To ever serve In a general manager He's happy And they asked him about the trade yesterday, the best answer ever. He's like, well, we're excited about all the pieces that we got. But Vancouver is also excited about getting a great player in Elias Lindholm. And it was like, this is great. Yeah, except when you miss the playoffs and go crashing and burning out. Other than that, it's a great time for everyone. Okay, the music means we got to go. It's been a fun show. Thank you all for listening, and thank you all for contributing. A reminder, uh, Canucks president of Hockey Ops, Jim Rutherford, on the Jeff Merrick show coming up at 1030. And then later this afternoon with Kipper and Bourne, it's Canucks general manager, Patrick Alvine. we got to get out of here for now. Signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff, He's been basketball, Ben. He's been Laddie. And he has been Zebulon. <laughs> this has been the Alfred and Bruff show on we'll forget Sportsnet. Lynn Holmes. Sportsnet, 650.